The Gadget Guide on Cambridge 105 Radio with the Centre for Computing History, Cambridge. Making the history of computing fun for everyone. Visit computinghistory.org.uk to find out more. Welcome to The Gadget Guide. Yeah, welcome to Gadget Guide, show number 260 with the latest tech news and then we'll look at the matter and thread ecosystem. But first of all, a look at this week's technology news and Intel, the uh, the chip maker, uh, they've announced their 14th generation, yep, their Raptor Lake. Uh, <laughs> they always have these sort of code names for, uh, uh, for their different processors. Um, and uh, Raptor Lake are the the latest ones. Um, that means that uh, the the big long number that sort of started off as a uh, uh, a sort of four digit number is now up to five digits. Those uh, those now start at uh, fourteen. So you get things like the fourteen nine hundred, fourteen thousand nine hundred K, fourteen thousand seven hundred, and fourteen thousand six hundred for the i nine, i seven, i five. Um, those are uh, those are going to be launched tomorrow, October the uh, the sixteenth. Uh, 17th yeah. even today's yeah. the 16th that's this one. is if actually just re- to the repeat <laughs> <laughs> this is just a refresh of the raptor lake range so it's the raptor lake but improved and the big thing is more overclockable models so these ones can be uh boosted well i know all the way up to six gigahertz so wow. really going to be quite a powerful cpu and um, really taking aim at amd zen for ryzen 7000 series and, so, and this is these k ones that are the the highest performance yes. this isn't something you would normally find in a laptop it's much more likely to be a sort of desktop workstation something like that high-end gaming or one of yeah, one of the sort of gaming <laughs> laptops or uh, or maybe uh, sort of business laptops rather than the typical one you might buy at the shops. Yeah, yeah, certainly uh, the, the gaming world waiting to see these sorts of things because AMD have been, uh, have pulled a little bit ahead with their CPUs when it comes to performance uh, for the gaming environment. The, the AMD 7000X3D models currently dominating the lists of best CPUs for gaming on most review sites. So, uh, yeah, not a, ma- not a major increase in performance, but they're saying sort of, you know, probably just under 10% improvement across the board over the previous generation. In, interestingly, mention of an AI assist uh, plug-in for the uh, extreme uni- uh, tuning utility. This is the overclocking utility. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to say it, it, it basically seems to characterize your processor. So rather than you having to sort of tweak everything individually, and the, normally if you're overclocking these things, the way you do it is sort of turn everything up until things crash and then turn <laughs> them back down a bit. Um, the the idea seems to be here that it will spend about 30 seconds actually trying to get the best out of your processor whilst keeping it stable and then say okay these are probably the best uh, the best settings i i suspect that it was is probably more a sort of optimized button that's that's now got a new marketing name called ai assist but uh, nonetheless it takes a little bit of the guesswork out of uh, getting the best out of your processor uh, if you want all of the performance and maybe uh, willing to sacrifice a little bit of power consumption to get it. And of course that's in combination with the application optimization program that comes with uh, Intel's gaming CPUs, well focused on their gaming CPUs which detects certain games and automatically optimizes oh, the CPU based on that sort of game. So things that are going to be more uh, uh, 3D graphics intensive will get an appropriate optimization for those for example. And of course, the the way that different programs, different applications use uh, different number of CPU cores, 
most modern processors now are limited primarily by how much heat they're generating and how quickly you can get that heat out of them. Uh, that means if you've got a game that you know makes use of only a few cores but it hits them hard, you can actually turn off some of the other cores or slow them right down and that frees up some of that thermal budget, that, that heat cons uh, heat production um, to, to release it for the, the cores that you are using. So definitely some uh, some interesting stuff happening there. Of course, Intel, not the only uh, processor manufacturer in the game, as well as AMD. We have Apple now making, for the last few years, their own uh, uh, their own processors. Started off with the M1, then the M2. Uh, we're now heading towards the uh, Apple M3. So this is the latest generation of Apple Silicon. Maybe waiting a little longer than we thought we were going to be to start with. Yes, the M3 chip is apparently in engineering review, so that means that they are sticking it into things and seeing whether it blows up. Um, well, basically, testing yep. to see how power performance uh, works, how it generates heat and how they deal with heat, uh, all those sort of things, and also probably whether it works with existing hardware, what else has to be changed in and, an and iPad, an iPhone, as well. or... Yeah or a MacBook to actually make everything stable. And then, yes, you're right, testing macOS and iOS on that CPU to see what it work, what it does. M3 was supposed to start production in 2022. Yep, we're suffering the same chip delays in Apple's space as the rest of the chip market. Their manufacturer for their chips is TSMC, and these are three nanometer process. Uh, but yep, there's the not many people that can build those. The Taiwanese firm is battling to keep up with demand on chip manufacture. Apple aren't their only customer, but Apple are probably their biggest customer when it comes to chip manufacturing. But Apple did bump uh, the M3 a little bit behind on schedule to prioritize the iPhone 15. And, and that's typically how these uh, these companies work, is that you, you, know, you buy a slot for delivery some years in the future and say, OK, in 2023, we know we're going to get you to manufacture this many chips or this many wafers of chips. Um, and then as you get a bit closer, you can say, actually, we'll do these ones or do those ones. And they don't really care which, which processor. So, yeah, as you can say, uh, Apple have swapped those around a little bit, uh, presumably a little more concerned about competition in the... Uh, in the mobile device market than they are the laptops and, and desktops that tend to use the uh, the M series processors. Yes, yes. So uh, the Apple A17, of course, in the iPhone 15 Pro, uses the same sort of process manufacturing as the M3 uh, chip, which will be in MacBooks and also iPad Pros. Uh, yep. So yes, are we expecting that lot to start shipping in 2024? And the rumours are it could be as late as the middle of 2024 before we see MacBook Air M3s, which will be about the right sort of time frame for their release schedule because the previous M2 shipped in July 2022 and the original M1 shipped at the end of 2020. Yep, so it's uh, probably coming up for a refresh, but not too, uh, not too behind the times just yet. Uh, sticking with Apple for a second, and iOS 17.1 Beta 3. Um, yep, this is the latest beta of the uh, the iPhone operating system, and uh, it's a, a good a good sort of heads up as to what's going to be coming out in the the full release in the next uh, next few months. Um, the the first thing is the iPhone 12. Okay, it's not the latest model, but it has uh, been withdrawn temporarily from sale in France because of uh, RF emissions concerns. They look like they've managed to fix those. Um, 
with uh, with the latest software update um and basically it's they're just turning the power down a bit when uh, <laughs> where, when it's not yeah. sitting on your body Cr- crank the radio waves down to basically make it safer for france uh because no. ios 17.1 out hopefully in the next couple of months or so as you said uh beta 3 means that they are quite a long way along the development cycle the developers able to play with their apps on the operating system and, and fix anything that breaks uh, but also they've made this one public so anyone who wants to test uh, it on their device now of course we we say with uh, the usual caveat beta software is not something you should put on your primary device if you rely on that if device you, for yes, anything if, important. If, if it's critical maybe maybe just hold off um, something yes. we mentioned uh, a couple of weeks back was the new standby mode uh, so this is the thing where if you prop it up on a, a nightstand, then it, the display will, you know, and on charge, the display will stay on and it'll just give you that sort of ambient information, whether that's a, uh, a clock or the temperature or the weather forecast or, or something like that. Um, that existed in the last beta, beta 2, uh, but they have just given you a few more little tweaks uh, in beta 3. So you now can say, OK, we'll keep it on, but only for 20 seconds um, or automatically turn it on and off so um yeah maybe maybe using the uh the the sort of the daylight or the light level sensor so that if you put it on charge it lights up then you turn your bedroom lights out it'll then go and go to sleep when it detects that the room's dark i thought i think that's quite a uh, quite a nice little uh, uh touch on there Hmm, yes. Uh, improvements for Apple Music lovers, uh, a new favouriting button to make things easier to effectively add a star to things that you like while you're listening to them, and then easier ways to find those favourites after you've added things to your favourite list. Uh, a lot of this will then feed into song suggestions to create automatic playlists based on stuff you have favourited, so it should become a lot more like uh, Spotify. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, not just uh, those sorts of things, but also some nice little small quality of life upgrades. So uh, if you've got a a recent iPhone, so this won't come to all phones necessarily that get iOS 17.1, but recent ones that support the live activities feature, uh, you'll now get a notification if your torch is on. (laughs) And uh, I'm sure I'm not the only person who's sort of wandered around with my phone. Um, I've accidentally or deliberately turned the torch on, not notice it, not looked at the back of the phone and Mm -hmm. using it for other stuff down and, and it's hiding that it's, torch yep exactly and someone says you do know that that's well that's now going to it's going to be a little bit of a clue uh, in a live activity on your main screen saying hey by the way your torches torches are light might want to turn that off or it'll get a bit toasty <laughs> so yeah good to see yes. that uh also possibly new ringtones which might make some people happy these yep. days how often do you change your ringtone uh, i don't I don't think I've heard my ringtone for <laughs> for many years. <laughs> uh, it's, it's normally on vibrate, and very few people phone me, so uh, that's all uh, all good. Uh, heading back into the Microsoft uh, ecosystem, uh, th- this is the uh, the sort of the bonus feature for the uh, for the week, uh, and that's the the Windows Key H. Have so you the, ever the used Windows, Windows Key H? I have never used Windows Key H. So um, on, 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 ju- on, on just our show document, it. I used it to type the previous stories headline. Very and good. What you see there, where it said new iOS 17.1 beta is out, these features may be available on your device soon. I spoke that after pushing Windows key H, and that's what it typed. Yep. Uh, so I just tried it on my thing, and it it didn't type it straight away uh, because you do need to. Uh, so this is the dictation feature 
in Windows 10 and 11. And the idea is you hit Windows H and then you can talk to your computer. Um, it does require online speech recognition. So this is one of the privacy settings. It, it does give you a link if you don't have it uh, turned on already. Um, so you will have to have online speech recognition. That means that uh, your voice recordings or bits of it in the sort of half process state do get sent up into the cloud. You'll need to have, have an internet connection for this to work. Um, and then the text uh, gets sent back down to your computer. It means they can do a little bit more work on it, get more accurate results. But nonetheless, uh, uh, an interesting bit of uh, technology if you quickly want to dictate uh, things to your computer rather than uh, having to type them in. Yep, and it'll work anywhere that text can be entered. Yep, so it doesn't depend on the uh, on the particular uh, application. That word, web pages, even the run box. Uh, gaming next and Minecraft. Another Microsoft product. <laughs> yes, uh, but Minecraft turns 15 next, next year. year. Yep. But it's it's just hit a a bit of a sales milestone at three hundred million copies. I, both of those figures, I I'm sure I remember Minecraft being launched firstly. <laughs> How well, old? Fifteen am I? years ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Two thousand nine is when the saga began. It was created in Java by Marcus Pearson, and uh, of course Microsoft own it these days. But three hundred million copies. It. It outstrips the next best-selling game, which is Grand Theft Auto V, which is only at 185 million copies. So it's wow. nearly double its second contender for most copies of a game sold. And I, I have to say, in terms of like persistence, it is still going. It's still played. It still and has a massive new people community. people are coming into it all the time still. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Yet you look at it, and if you were to to just see a screenshot of the game, you think, "What on earth? This is this is from the nineties." Well, it's, but... it's it's digital Lego. Yes, and, is and the it's the best way the... to describe it for someone who's never seen it played it or have a concept of Minecraft. But they they deliberately go for deliberately rubbish graphics. Yep. Uh, and it looks like something you might have seen from the sort of the Doom Two kind of era if you uh, if you grew up in the, uh, in, the in the 90s. Um, yeah, the the graphics are rubbish, and that doesn't matter. It's all about the gameplay, and it's just it's playable, it's replayable. It's uh, you can play it on your own. You can you know, join up with friends. I, how how much of an enduring? I, th this is. I hate to say the word classic, but you know this is a defining product, as every bit as much as something like Doom or uh, or SimCity or or games of that era were, and it's still going, which is is just amazing. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I know that. Um, well, I actually have. Uh, I was just wondering whether our Centre for Computing History sponsors have done anything with Minecraft. I think they. Oh, I'm have. sure there must be something. I, uh, I haven't played pretty it. Pretty uh, sure yeah. that they have a copy running available for people to play down at at the Centre for Computing History. But anyway, also they are launching a new fifteenth uh, anniversary edition, obviously, as you would, uh, including a Star Wars Path of the Jedi version. Mm, interesting. Where interesting. yes, you'll be able to play a Jedi and have a lightsaber. Very good. Uh, talking of uh, of Microsoft, uh, quickly, because one one thing that did uh, did creep out in in the uh, the last few days, uh, we we previously reported on uh, the Microsoft's acquisition of Activision. Now, this had been uh, going through various sort of competitions and uh, authority reviews. It had been blocked. 
uh, by certainly the UK and I think possibly the EU. Um, the UK and I think also the EU have now reversed that decision based on some significant changes to uh, to the deal. So UK uh, uh, Competition and Markets Authority have now approved the acquisition of, uh, uh, of Activision Blizzard. Um, and basically, this was a, a pretty... Uh, a pretty substantial change, um, which meant that the cloud gaming rights uh, for Activision Blizzard games, past and future, for 15 years, uh, have been given to or sold to uh, to Ubisoft as an independent party. So effectively, a lot of the concerns here were that Microsoft would have a monopoly over the cloud gaming market. Um, that has now changed because those cloud gaming rights are going to Ubisoft. At that point, it satisfied the CMA, um, and it feels like this is uh, this is going to now go through a massive, massive uh, mm. deal. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think. I think was it 58 billion? I seem to read 56 billion pounds um, for for the acquisition. So uh, major uh, major news in the gaming industry there. Certainly is. Of course, Ubisoft, a, a French company best known for the Assassin's Creed range of mm. games. And their share price did a little bit of a blip based on that, as you can imagine, because yes. they have now uh, uh, secured that exclusive rights to every Activision Blizzard game for a decent amount of time. Yep. Um, staying in the of course, 15 world. years is the age of Minecraft. Indeed. <laughs> um, staying in the gaming world for a second, uh, Epic Games um, announced a new program. This was uh, uh, just going back a little while to, uh, to try and bring developers onto their Epic Games store. So this is the uh, their equivalent of, uh, of Steam or similar. Um, and they're, they're trying to bring in older games. So the idea is that uh, uh, if you if you were a game developer and you want to you know, maybe give your, your game a, a little bit of a newer lease of life, bring it to a new audience, um, pop it on the, uh, the, the Epic Games store under the Nail on Epic program and you will get 100% of the net revenue from user spending. Presumably that's sales and in-game uh, in purchases and yep. that sort of thing um, for the next six months, which is pretty impressive. Normally it would be you'd get about uh, 88%, so they, they keep 12% to, uh, to operate the store and, uh, and so on. Um, and indeed that'll be what happens after the six months is up. But nonetheless, for, for six months... Uh, if you get your game on uh, on Epic Store, um, then you get to keep everything that people spend on it. Yes, so just if you are a developer and you've got at least three games um, and they can be on any other platform, doesn't matter where they are currently hosted uh, as far as another storefront. It could be Xbox uh, Store, it could be somewhere else. Um, search for Now on Epic. Uh, you've got until the end of the year to sign up and uh, get products in by the middle of next year. So plenty of time to to participate in the program. Yep. Um, moving away now from games, um, I, th I was hoping this was a headline <laughs> from last year. Uh, <laughs> I thought you'd like this one. Yeah. Uh, Ferrari, the yes, the car manufacturer, um, have now announced that they are accepting cryptocurrency payments uh, in the US and plan to expand that into, uh, into Europe. Um, Apparently, this there's a lot to unpack here um, because apparently this was being demanded by wealthy clients. Now, I, given the volatility of cryptocurrency, 
I'm going to suggest that some of those wealthy clients may be wealthy or not wealthy or wealthy or very wealthy, uh, depending on what day of the week it is they place their but, order. But also uh, wanting <laughs> to use crypto to buy a Ferrari. How do I yes. hide my money? How do I hide, How do I turn it into Ferrari and not actually explain this to a tax authority? And, and, and I, I do... I do wonder that a little bit um, as to whether this is being uh, used for some slightly out-of-band payments. Uh, no doubt that Ferrari are going to have to uh, um, to, to put appropriate uh, protective measures in place, and I'm sure they yeah, will. Anti-money laundering and all the rest. I, exactly. Um, but but you do have to wonder whether that's perhaps a little bit of where that demand uh, is coming from. Um, accepting or plan to uh, accepting Bitcoin, Ethereum um, and uh, USDC. So that's one of these things called a stable coin. And the idea is that uh, uh, it's a cryptocurrency, but rather than being as volatile as many of the other ones, it's always one USDC is, also, is always worth one US dollar, uh, hence US dollar coin. Um, and and that's meant to sort of bring some of the uh, decentralized benefits of, of cryptocurrency without the volat uh, volatility. Yeah, yeah, the ability to be able to do things like transfer money internationally without having to go through banks is one of the uh, one of the few benefits to Bitcoin. Of course, um, other car manufacturers did uh, try Bitcoin for a bit. Tesla did start accepting uh, Bitcoin for a while until uh, and Dogecoin, uh, I think, as well. <laughs> Yeah, they still accept Dogecoin, but oh, they've they? stopped accepting Bitcoin because Elon went, it's not very green. Bitcoin is uh, quite a, a high energy consumer, Bitcoin mining. So, um, uh, Arguably, sir, Ferraris. <laughs> uh, they've got electric ones as well now. Oh, okay. That makes it all okay. Uh, so, so there we go. That's uh, that, That's the latest one. And then, then one finally, um, which is that... Uh, uh, we we might have find a, found another use for uh, for AI uh, or machine learning, as uh, uh, the engineers tend to call it, um, and that's to decipher, or at least hopefully decipher, uh, part of an ancient Herculean uh, Herculaneum scroll. Um, so it was uh, uh, always uh, always a bit challenging deciphering these things, especially ones that have been uh, uh, burnt or damaged by heat or uh, what have you. Um, of course, those in uh, Herculaneum and Pompeii very much uh, that, that applies to. Yep. Um, but effectively, using some of the uh, X-ray tomography uh, scans, they've uh, they've managed to pull out some words from these things. Yes, uh, the um, uh, the Vesuvius Challenge, which is worth seven hundred thousand uh, dollars, offered prizes for the first person to be able to decode a word successfully. And there was a second prize as well. Uh, the big prize of 700000 is for the first uh, person or team who can decode four passages of text from inside two intact scrolls before the end of 2023. Um, so the first person to find a word was a university student at University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and that was Luke Ferreter, 21-year-old. Uh, and using some machine learning techniques, he managed to teach it small-scale differences in surface texture to oh, highlight ink. Yep. Uh, simultaneously, another researcher, Frederica Nicolardi, in the University of Naples, was using some machine learning techniques to detect possible letter changes and shapes Ooh. within the scroll segments. They both managed to decipher a word, the same word, yep. uh, which was porphyrus, which means purple. 
interesting. So Luke scored himself a prize of $40,000 and uh, Frederica $10,000 as second prize. Very good. Well done to uh, both of them. Uh, we'll be talking matter and thread and those ecosystems. What's it all about next? Cambridge 105 Radio. Wednesdays on Cambridge 105 Radio, Queer Cambridge. Hannah, Daisy and Debbie have topical discussion from the LGBTQ community. A look at queer news nationally and locally and events you can get involved in. Queer Cambridge with Town and Gown Pub and Theatre, Cambridge's most exciting venue. Wednesday at 6 on Cambridge 105 Radio. CKLG Accountants are a friendly team of accountants and tax advisors with big firm expertise. I'm Lawrence, Director of CKLG, responsible for business services. Throughout your lifetime, your personal and financial situation will change. Maybe you've just arrived in the UK to work or are looking to invest in property. Perhaps you're making plans for your retirement and are looking to reduce potential inheritance tax liabilities. CKLG Accountants ensure you receive bespoke tax advice tailored to you and your family's needs along the way. To find out more, call us on Cambridge 810100 to arrange an initial chat with one of our specialists or visit our website cklg.co.uk. CKLG Accountants, your partner in business, your partner in life. The Gadget Guide on Cambridge 105 Radio with the Centre for Computing History, Cambridge. Making the history of computing fun for everyone. Visit computinghistory.org.uk to find out more. Anyway, all things matter and thread. Of course, uh, you might not have heard of what those are, um, and you might be going, "What are what are Robin Lawrence talking about?" So, thread is a. Both of them are, are new concepts, new ideas. Some of them are repurposing older technologies and changing the way they work. Thread yes, let's, is. Let's start right at the bottom, yeah. and that is the IEEE 802.15.4 radio technology. Now, that <laughs> might not make a lot of sense. <laughs> No, if if we said that. But that that's, a, that's how things actually talk to each other. It's a connection technology between your smart devices, like Wi-Fi. And I think most people understand Wi-Fi and possibly Bluetooth. It, you know, you can have a thing talk to a thing over radio waves wirelessly. And Thread is that technology, that nice string of numbers, IEEE standard, is Thread. Now, it's not quite the same as Wi-Fi. So if you're thinking, well, we've already got Wi-Fi, everything uses Wi-Fi, why do we need something else? It's a little bit different. And there's two main bits that, that make it different. First of all, it's designed for very low power. So if you've got battery-operated devices that need to be able to run for an extended period, so not something like your phone uh, or your watch, which may only last a few days between charges, if you want something to last for a much longer period, you need lower yeah, We're power. talking mon months of charge on things like a couple of AA batteries. Yeah, a doorbell or a temperature sensor or something like that, perhaps. Um, then you need something really low power. And the other thing is that it's a mesh technology. So rather than your Wi-Fi, where you have one, maybe maybe more than one, but you know, a, a small number of central access points, um, and each device talks to the access point. And if you wander out of range of that, then you run out of uh, of Wi-Fi signal. The idea of, of Thread and this underlying radio technology is that they will figure out that if device A can talk to B, 
that's great. If device C can talk to B, that's great. Now A wants to talk to C, it can talk via B in the middle. And yep. you don't have to worry about any of that. It, because it's, once it's you've magic that happens between the devices. E exactly. So if you're talking, and we'll, we'll come on to things like smart light bulbs later, as long as each of your light bulbs can see one other light bulb, and that sort of extends. So maybe your bedroom can see your office light bulb, which can see the landing light bulb, which can see the downstairs light bulb, which can see the kitchen light bulb. As long as that sort of path through them exists, then it'll all just work. And if one of them gets taken out, maybe you take your landing light bulb down, then as long as the bathroom one can maybe see the kitchen one downstairs instead, it'll just reconfigure itself. And so yes. it'll just, it'll self-heal, it'll self-organize. Um, and that means that once you've configured everything uh, or introduced everything to, to its mates, um, then you shouldn't have to worry about adding or removing devices or figuring out the best way of organizing things. Yeah. So that's, course, the, that's that. The classic failure with uh, smart light bulbs is you've got to leave the light switch on. Yes, otherwise. Or, or change your light <laughs> and, switch, yeah. And if you get used to leaving things on, but you know, a guest in your house turns things off, you don't want that to be the point of failure for all of your smart stuff. So yeah, that, that idea that the mesh network can go, oh, the thing I was connecting fire has gone away, but I can see another thing change my route or just now, works you might have heard of some of this technology in the past and a name if particularly if you've been in the technology industry um that you might be familiar with is zigbee and z-wave and interestingly this is the same technology the same radio technology that's used to connect your smart meters in home display so maybe you have a little uh little display that uh, shows you how much electricity and gas you're using today um to connect that back to your smart meter that uses this same radio technology so the the same 802.15.4 no one needs to know that number um but it uses that same technology uh as thread does of course, what we don't tend to have with those in-home displays at the moment is that mesh of other devices. So certainly if I take mine from my <laughs> my, my bedroom that's uh, uh, above my electricity meter where it's fine, if I brought that into my office at the back of the house, then it tends to lose connection. That's what Thread's trying to uh, to solve with the, uh, the idea that each thing can talk to its mates. Yes, and you know, there's no reason why your in-home display couldn't talk to your electricity meter bridged via a couple of light bulbs. Effectively, exactly, exactly is, is the whole point. So, Thread is a wireless technology. It it doesn't just have to work with uh, with matter. It can work with things like Apple's HomeKit as well. That's uh, uh, another sort of home internet of things technology um, but matter is what we're uh, what we're going to talk about today and that's something that builds on top of thread so this is so, so matters more the the language that devices talk to each other exactly so you you've got to, you've got the ability to pass messages around now what do those messages actually say and how can i get my amazon digital assistant to talk to my hue light bulb and yes. my ring doorbell and, okay, and ring, ring, is, ring's easy because it's also Amazon, but you truth. might have a Eufy doorbell and your yep. Amazon assistant and your Hue light bulb. So now you've got three manufacturers to deal with. So we've talked about Thread and Matter. They can work together. They can work independently. Matter also doesn't care about what network technology it uses, so it could be a wired connection. So you might have that Amazon Echo um, on a wire, okay, they don't do wired connections for Amazon Echoes. I'm just trying to think of a, you might have a Sonos speaker with a wired connection, uh, but that Amazon Echo with a Wi-Fi connection, 
and they could theoretically talk matter between each other across your Wi-Fi and wired networks. And of course, some of these devices will have multiple things. So maybe you've got one of the big Amazon Echoes that has Wi-Fi in it, but also has a thread radio. And at that point, that device, which you know, your your Echoes are normally left plugged in most of the time, um, yeah, they don't have to worry so much about the power consumption. Something like that could be the bridge onto uh, your thread wireless network, and that's where you then have your light switches or your uh, your doorbells or that sort of thing um, yes. that need to have that lower power consumption, uh, light bulbs as well. Yeah, that's called then a thread border router. So it's connecting the thread mesh network that's been created between those smart devices onto a different network like your Wi-Fi network or your wired network. Sometimes that's to get those devices connected to the internet because they might yep. be able to do something useful like a digital assistant, that Amazon Echo, that Google uh, uh, Nest Hub so that they can get information on the screens and, and tell you stuff. Sometimes it might be that in-home device so it can feed back that electricity consumption data to your uh, supplier for billing purposes. Yeah, and, and even going back to the doorbell, you know, if, you, if your doorbell gets rung, you probably want that to pop up on your mobile phone while you're away from home. So again, you're going to want that onto, uh, onto the internet, perhaps. Um, motion sensors, if you've got them for a home security system, again, you don't want to be changing the batteries or charging the batteries on those uh, every week. So you need something very low power, but I'd probably like it if my phone could ping me an alert if somebody moved around in my house while I was out at work during the day. So that, that sort of cross, cross-border thing without having to have one of, you know, a lot of products at the moment have hubs or gateways or yes. uh, that sort of thing. I don't want to have a Eufy one and a Unify one and uh, uh, a, a Ring one, one and, uh, yep. <laughs> uh, uh, and you know, all, all the different manufacturers. So hopefully now I can just have one of these um, thread border routes. I bet they get called hubs. They're definitely going to get called hubs. <laughs> um, I think the, but the, I have uh, one the, of those from one manufacturer and all of my devices can talk through it. I think the thread group are going to strongly try to get all the marketing to, to talk about thread border routers rather than hubs. But yes... Y- if you've already got that Amazon device that can do it, that saves you having another thing powered and plugged in as yep. well as another port used on your router or your network switch in your office. So it gives you that advantage. Now, there's already a lot of products out that have the thread radios in them. Uh, so that list is growing all the time as manufacturers get on board because the uh, thread uh, what are they calling themselves? Uh, the Thread Alliance. Yes. So interestingly, this used, uh, Yep. And the um, uh, where where was it? The uh, connected uh, connectivity standards alliance, previously known as the Zigbee Alliance. You may yep. <laughs> may notice where that came they're, from. They're now the the Meta proponents and uh, are touting one protocol to connect compatible devices and systems with each other. And of course, this is some some big household names that uh, that you might recognise, as well as uh, sort of electronics manufacturers. So the likes of Amazon, Apple, um, so some interesting ones, the likes of Asa, um, who uh, make a lot of locks. So maybe we're starting to see sort of very well manufactured locks mm-hmm. um, now getting this stuff, as well as you know the the, the likes of Huawei and LG and Google, um, Go- Google, Samsung, Oppo. Yeah, lots of uh, uh, Verizon 
over in uh, the US more than, uh, the, than the UK. Yeah. And other, other smart devices you might already have. Tuya, who you might already have some of their smart uh, plugs or appliances that use the Tuya app on your phone to control them. I, I'm intrigued to see Karcher. Uh, in the list, uh, whether we're going to get IoT connected pressure washers. <laughs> I know they make other products as well. <laughs> uh, so, yes, a good list of people supporting the platform and coming up with ideas, which will mean that a lot of those products will talk to each other seamlessly. Mm, very, uh, very interesting. Uh, well, I tell you what, let's uh, let's take a quick bit of music and uh, then maybe look at some of the uh, the products that are already available using uh, the Matter and Thread ecosystems. Man, feel it still here on Cambridge 105 Radio, where we're talking matter and thread and all things in that sort of uh, Internet of Things ecosystem. So um, thread, the, uh, the the wireless radio technology that uh, that lets us have very low power devices, matter, the standard that means all of these devices can work with each other and you don't need to get everything from the same manufacturer. Um, 
So what's what's out there? What's what's actually so on the market bro- already? Broad technologies, I think. Let's talk about that rather than specific products. Because if you went on your favourite online shopping emporium and went thread-enabled devices, watch out. Some uh, some people who've listed their products on might be uh, telling porkies at the moment. Not might not be fully supported, but anyway, things that support matter at the moment. Light bulbs. We've talked about light bulbs and light switches. However, only certain things are available for those devices like on and off and dimming and color changing now you think well is there anything so else that you might want yep. to do for that well you might want things like scheduled starts and stops but there's other ways of doing that um smart sockets and uh, smart smart wall sockets and smart plugs yep locks so you can so the door, door locks yeah, smart yep. locks that sort of thing uh, radiator thermostats and thermostatic valves as well as house thermostats and yep. other air conditioning controls Yep, some we've got some motorized blinds and, uh, and yes. similar window shades. I I like this curtain uh, pullers. I, yeah, I've, I've always wanted one of those, and I've, I'm still <laughs> on the, uh, the the old fashioned bit of string, um, but but uh, definitely a popular thing. Um, uh, safety and security sensors. So this yeah. is something we talked about uh, before. Um, but think about like uh, you know sensors. door door and window open and closed sensors. Those sort of things benefit from this technology because of that long battery life yep um and then in general media devices so this is things like televisions streaming video players and uh, and that sort of stuff uh, and then of course the bridges so these are the things that connect your your thread world onto uh, the internet um that's that's what's currently certified um there is a whole load of stuff coming soon uh hopefully by the end of uh, 2023 and that's the likes of home security cameras robot vacuum cleaners um your home appliances your tumble dryers your washing machines that sort of thing uh, garage door controllers um air purifiers smoke detectors um energy and water management and maybe even your uh, electric vehicle charging station might uh, might ah. soon work with matter Ah. Quite importantly, things like home routers and wireless access points will be quite useful to have the technology in because they can be mm. those thread border routers straight out of the box and give you the connectivity to the rest of the world. I know that Amazon's Eero range of wireless kit already is thread enabled. So that yep. is one that is definitely out there and, and works already. Um, so there are some manufacturers who are definitely get in there, Amazon being obviously one of them, and Google with a lot of their products, obviously yes. bringing this into uh, the Nest range of smart devices. And the good news is that the the radio frequencies used for this are in the same range as those used for Wi-Fi. So that means that often adding this to a product is not very expensive, is not very complicated. It doesn't require a lot of uh, extra certification or anything like that. Um, it's not a software-only change. Um, in most cases, it does need uh, specific hardware, but that is uh, that's normally pretty easy to uh, to add for a manufacturer. Um, so some uh, some actual products that are uh, that are out there. Um, we've got things like the uh, the the Amazon uh, Echo devices uh, and uh, and their apps in your phone. Um, there's, there are smart wings make some uh, some matter shades as uh, as blinds, um, and Switchbot made uh, make uh, curtains, electric curtains, which are uh, already matter enabled. So, um, yeah, we're seeing most things in uh, in these categories. Uh, Tuo, uh, you mentioned the uh, the smart buttons, I think earlier. Yep. Uh, uh, no, uh, uh, that was Tao. Uh, oh, Tao. Okay, so Tuo, T U O. 
uh, also make a uh, Matter compatible smart button. So that's a, ah, a so that thing gives you a you hard, can... hardware switch that can do a thing. So it'd be an on off switch or a change function switch where you might not have a voice assistant or you might not like voice assistants. Maybe you want a physical button, but yep. you still want Easier some of the to smart out. facilities like having it so that you can drive it from your phone when you're away from home or do scheduled smart things for lighting. You know, turn lighting on when the sun goes down, which is a bit of a more difficult rule than just turn the lights on at 5 p.m. because yes. sun, sun goes down different times throughout the year. So having lights on at sunset or 10 minutes after sunset, because dusk is still a little bit light, is a useful automation for a smart home. Uh, you did mention uh, lights. Philips Hue, uh, their lighting system, seems to need the bridge still. Um, so it looks like you can't talk directly to uh, to the individual lights uh, via thread at the moment. Whether that changes, we shall uh, we shall see. But if you do have the Hue bridge, then the Matter ecosystem can uh, can work with Philips Hue lights. Uh, maybe good for for pairing to those buttons. And we mentioned uh, Asa Abloy as the lock manufacturer. Well, Yale as well. Um, they're a sure range of smart locks and uh, retrofit models. Um, those are also enabled. So lots, uh, lots out there already. Lots more to come. There's a lot of announced products um, and uh, an exciting ecosystem to maybe let us use all of our different products together. That's all we've got time for on today's Gadget Guide. Back in a couple of weeks' time, let's raise up after the news. The Gadget Guide on Cambridge 105 Radio with the Centre for Computing History, Cambridge. Making the history of computing fun for everyone. Visit computinghistory.org.uk to find out more.